Are social issues taking precedence over academics? Which government officials are truly seeking to improve the education system? Today on The State of Education with Melvin Adams, our guest, Steve Newman, shares an inside view of the policy structure of Virginian education, its history, and how academic learning is being pushed to the backseat across the country. Today, we are honored to have Virginia State Senator Steve Newman as our guest. Senator Newman studied at Lynchburg College and at Central Virginia Community College. He is the vice president and chairman of the board of directors for Delta Star Incorporated, a manufacturer of medium power transformers and mobile substations with operations in Lynchburg, Virginia, San Carlos, California, and Montreal, Canada. He entered politics in 1988 at the age of 23 and became the youngest ever elected representative to serve on the Lynchburg City Council. Four years later, he was elected to the Virginia House of Delegates. After serving four years in the House, he was elected to the Virginia Senate in 1996, and he continues in that office to the present. While there, he has served as the Senate President Pro Temper, as Chairman of the Education and Health Committee, as Chairman of the Transportation Committee. He has also served on the Commerce and Labor Committee and on the Finance and Appropriations Committee. He has served on several commissions and has authored and sponsored constitutional amendments and numerous bills and is rated as one of Virginia's most pro-job and pro-business Senate members. Senator Newman and his wife, Kim, have two sons, Tyler and Wesley. So welcome, Senator Newman. So glad you're here today with us. Been looking forward to this. Thank you, Melvin. So Noah Webster Educational Foundation is a nonprofit foundation. We work to improve education through responsible leadership, core principles and best practices, and by engaging parents, educators, and legislators to bring solutions in education. We focus on the roles of instruction, parents, government, faith and morality, and facilities. Today, I'd like us to zero in on the role of government in education. So, Senator, for listeners who are not well informed on how state government works, could you give us a quick overview of how it works in Virginia, maybe particularly focusing on the roles of the two houses of the state legislature, how they interact, how they work uh, with the executive branch uh, to govern the Commonwealth? That's a good question. It's a big question. So uh, maybe the best place to start is in the foundational documents, which is, of course, our Constitution. Uh, unlike some states' Constitution, our Constitution is very prescriptive in many ways, but it's very prescriptive on education. And it talks about the requirement uh, that we have a free and public and quality education. It also lays out the foundational mechanisms on how it's to operate. So in Virginia, we obviously have the executive side and we have the legislative side, but then we have this operation of the state school board, uh, which is appointed by the governor and they make a lot of the uh, policy. It doesn't in any way usurp the legislative opportunity to set policy around their decision, 
but many times you'll end up with them uh, doing the, uh, the, the, uh, the strategic type work and the legislature really working on the higher level items. So within the legislature, uh, we are very much segmented into the committee and subcommittee structure. Uh, in the state Senate, uh, I was the chairman of the education committee for many, many, many years. Um, I also uh, appointed the subcommittee chairman in that role. And we had uh, a subcommittee chairman that had K through 12, and that was really their focus. I sent most of the bills uh, to that subcommittee. They worked out uh, the technical uh, items. There was a subcommittee report given back to the committee, and then we would vote on those, uh, those items. The House of Delegates is set up in a similar fashion. The House of Delegates does have the ability to actually kill bills in subcommittee, and uh, they do not require actually to have a full hearing on the bills. The Senate of Virginia uh, does go through that process. We generally work uh, fairly closely with the administration in that committee. So you'll have the Secretary of Education, uh, you'll have Chev and others that uh, represent really education in general that work with us. That doesn't mean we agree. What it means is, is they work, we work with a, a flow of uh, data and a flow of information uh, that allows us to get to the, uh, to the end product. Um, so that has been uh, successful um, right up until uh, the uh, conservative side kind of lost the majority. It, I think, was very successful in promoting a good quality education. And we had a number of stop gaps in there to make sure that we actually actually did that. The last couple of years, uh, the uh, Virginia Education Association, which is an outside group that represents some teachers, not all teachers, uh, has had extraordinary influence uh, the last couple of years, and they have really pushed for a complete elimination of the core subject, math, history, science, and English, and they've moved more toward the soft subjects, uh, which they are calling the five C's. Um, those have very little to do with education. They have uh, things to do with social uh, items, and they have also pushed uh, other items we can talk uh, more about. So in the past, uh, that relationship has worked uh, very well. When I was chairman, I think uh, we had a, a solid relationship that allowed this to continue moving forward. So that's the overall structure. The school board, of course, is appointed by the governor. And depending on who the governor is, you can have very uh, strong conservative members or those that are not so conservative members, and they will set a lot of the day-to-day -day policy. Interesting. Well, that's very uh, insightful. Thank you for laying that out for us this, this morning. Uh, for all of our listeners, uh, it just helps bring perspective in how government works in, in, in the hall, so to speak, and in, you know, coming to decisions and so forth. So uh, again, I'm so thankful to have you with us because of your vast experience working in the field of education uh, as a state senator. Um, so I'd like us to dig in just a little bit more uh, into some questions related to uh, that role, but also at, as you kind of in, in indicated, we're going to dig into some more issues here in education. So first of all, why don't we start here? What does the education, and in Virginia, it's Education and Health Committee, uh, what does it do? What is its mission and purpose? Well, under the Code of Virginia and the way the structure of the Senate and the House uh, operate, which is somewhat dictated by the Constitution, we actually have uh, an oversight uh, uh, provision over the Department of Education. 
And so we will receive a lot of the reports, uh, get a lot of the factual information. This is in session and also uh, out of session. So a lot of that uh, takes place there. I will tell you that as leadership always uh, produces its own wake, if you have a strong chairman, um, which I tried, tried to be, uh, I would have a plan for every bill. In other words, we would have meetings the days before the committee. I would determine that uh, I would like to see this bill go here or there or be killed or uh, pass or modified. It doesn't mean that my will would always be done, but a strong chairman has a plan. Mm-hmm. We've seen in the past that uh, you have a weak chairman and they will either rely on a subcommittee chairman or uh, really they don't have a plan. It's kind of the will of the uh, will of the uh, committee uh, kind of uh, process. So uh, it depends on really on on the chairs. But uh, overall, uh, I think we have basically the ability to pass legislation in Virginia that can either override uh, Board of Education policy. We can set Board of Education policy. And probably just as important as all of that is we are the originators of legislation that ends up going to Senate Finance Committee, which ends up driving the public education funding operation. So the funding in Virginia is complex. Uh, the education quality is complex, uh, but uh, those people that understand it and those chair people that are kind of running it uh, helps. Uh, one is uh, the standards of quality. Uh, they're called SOQs. You'll hear them uh, mentioned that way. Standards of quality are basically what are the core items uh, that we're going to require every school board to have. In other words, how many um, uh, uh, principals are they required to have? How many counselors are they are supposed to have? What are the standards of quality? Now, these are not uh, necessarily the subject matter items, but it is the mechanism, the foundation that you need to have uh, to be able to meet uh, the requirements. Then there's standards of accreditation. We call them the SOAs. Standards of accreditation basically determine what you need to know. In other words, what you need to teach and what you need to know. And for the longest time, when we had accountability in education, there might be an SOL test or something that says, yes, that Johnny has some idea of what two plus two means, right? That has all gone away and we've gone all to feel good items now. But in the past, the standards of accreditation were tied to uh, accountability standards, A through F is on, uh, uh, grading for schools and other uh, items that's out there. The last one is... Um, really how we end up with the funding mechanism. That's critical because Virginia is a little different than uh, other states. So in Virginia, education is a function of the state government and the local government. And we have basically a formula that we come up with. It has to do with how poor or rich a locality is. And that formula uh, has been somewhat uh, sacred in the General Assembly for many, many, many decades. It says a a county like Lee County in far southwest Virginia probably gets about 80% of their money from the state of Virginia. They donate 20% of their money. But in Fairfax County, that is basically reversed. They get about 20% of their money from the state of Virginia, and then about uh, about 80% they fund locally. So those are uh, the the three major mechanisms and how the uh, Finance Committee and the Education Committee overlap. Thank you. So here's a little bit broader question, maybe a little more philosophical, and I'm sure 
you're going to have a view and maybe others are going to have a different view. But generally speaking, what is the primary role of education from the perspective of the government? You know, when the Constitution was passed, it was basically to provide this quality and free public education, as we all know, for a long time in Virginia, and it's a scar on Virginia, uh, that uh, there was either not a free education, there was a mechanism whereby you had to pay for education, and the other uh, is that uh, quality was different, and, uh, and unfortunately, there were some racial impacts on the quality of education uh, as, it, uh, as it goes back. But I think the Commonwealth of Virginia has a single poor purpose, and that is uh, to prepare individuals uh, for uh, a life and, a, and in workforce uh, and to be productive citizens. Uh, we all know that that really goes back uh, to what is the religious schools, uh, which produced most of the schools uh, uh, in the past century, and then also those religious schools, including William and Mary and others uh, that were uh, very much uh, based on the ability to make sure that we understood uh, the role of God uh, in our lives and uh, the impacts uh, that, that that had. So I think it's morphed over the, over the last uh, couple of years. The most recent morphing is, and you can come out of the 1970s and uh, into the 1980s, uh, we had moved away from accountability in education and moved away from the fact that you needed to have math, history, science, and English. You saw we moved away from phonics and into look-see. Uh, we had basically said there's no right answer. And that had gotten this Commonwealth into deep trouble. Yeah. Our SAT scores, our, our, uh, our ability to uh, have children just understand the basics of math, history, science, and English were going in a devastating direction. The General Assembly and the governor's office changed that. They came up with the standards of learning. The, the goals of the standards of learning were not to be uh, these overriding tests that dominate everything. Instead, it was just, do you know math, history, science, and English? Uh, that worked fairly well. As a matter of fact, SAT scores, reading scores, everything went up dramatically after that. Unfortunately, with President Bush's No Child Left Behind, it added test on top of test on top of test, and that just burdened down the system. So yeah. what was the answer? It was basically to throw the baby out with the bathwater in the last couple of years uh, under something that was unelected called the SOL Innovation Committee. They had a mission, in my opinion, to completely destroy accountability. So what did they do? They not only got rid of No Child Left Behind, they basically got rid of all accountability whatsoever and told areas like Lynchburg or Petersburg or Norfolk uh, that uh, they, don't, they don't need to worry about uh, math, history, science, English, and that now they've moved more towards social discussions. And that's where you end up with critical race theory and other things coming in, because honestly, it doesn't matter. They've got plenty of time now. They don't have to worry about math, history, science, and English. So we have a social agenda now. That's a new experiment. It will fail. It's probably the only thing that the Washington Post and I agree on, and they are dogmatic about this, is that if you get rid of all accountability, you're going to have bad schools and children are going to yeah. suffer. And so the, the uh, Washington Post and I have agreed on that uh, many, many times, although we don't agree on, on a lot. Wow, that is for sure. Uh, when you lose accountability, um, it's a free fall. Uh, so absolutely. So who are the primary entities that engage with or influence the Education Committee and the legislature when it comes to education? 
you alluded to this a little bit earlier, but uh, maybe dig a little deeper into that. It's actually a great question, and it's one that's not asked often enough. You think about it, who is interacting? Who are we hearing from? Is it Mm -hmm. parents or is it advocate for quality? And the answer basically is no. You'll get emails, individual legislators will get uh, communication on it. But Melvin, there is no advocate for quality in education. Let me say that again. There is no advocate for quality in education. If you were to go in today and sit in on an education health committee, I can assure you the meeting is going to be full the docket will be full. The number of speakers lined up to speak will be in immense. But who are these people? Well, they're the Virginia Education Association. It will be the Principals uh, Association. It'll be the Counselors Association. It will basically be what I call the educrats, the education bureaucrats, the people yeah. that are there to pull off of the system. They are being paid to pull off of the system. The problem is, is not one, not one of those guys, in my opinion, is paid, is supportive of quality education. So what you end up with is you end up with a lot of this pulling back and forth. And if you don't have a strong chairman that has a strong kind of North Star that, listen, we're going to do this. No one in the room wants to do this. But we understand that parents love children, not government parents love children, and that they're going to make sure that uh, we get a quality education. If you lose that, then the synergism of the room uh, will take over. It'll only become about money. It'll become about uh, making sure that uh, uh, we have teachers that uh, can do whatever they want to do in in the classroom. And we love teachers. We appreciate the fact that they're those and parents and others are teaching our children. But we had a bill this last year. It's a great example. The bill said that uh, basically you could no longer uh, fire a teacher because they were incompetent. That, that was the entirety of the bill. There wasn't subdivisions of the bill or otherwise. It said that the portion of the Code of Virginia that says that you could fire a teacher for being incompetent was thrown out. Everyone at the meeting, everyone at the meeting supported the bill, except for me and a few other guys out there. But if you had asked parents, you want to have incompetent teachers? Is that your desire? The answer would be no. And here's what's also important. If you had asked most classroom teachers, do you want that teacher down the hall, who we all know is incompetent, to not be able to be fired? The answer would be a resounding, an absolute resounding, let that teacher go. But that's not the push of the, of the room. So it's a great question. And the educrats basically control the room because everyone else, you and I are working. We love our children. We're doing things. We're, we're actually working. Uh, but when you ask that question, it's a really good one. It's a sensitive question for me, but it's basically run by the educrats, and that's the, uh, the dominant uh, discussion that goes on in committees. Wow. Well, I knew the answer to that question, as you can suspect, uh, but a lot of people probably don't. And thank you for answering it so thoroughly. Um, and, you know, that is an area that if we are going to gain uh, quality education, again, if we're going to gain any kind of uh, real uh 
best practices and core principles in education, we have to engage parents uh, very actively in all of these roles. And uh, so that's something we are championing as a as an organization. And as we wrap up this interview, I want to give you another opportunity to speak particularly to parents and ways that they can engage. Um, but until then, let's let's go a little bit deeper in here. So are there any educational structures or institutions in the Commonwealth that, that are not under the authority of laws that are passed by the legislature forming education policy? Mm. You know, there, there was uh, with the SOL Innovation Committee. I think that is a group that uh, is very much uh, non-elected and they were there. I actually put in a bill to eliminate them and through a negotiation with some things, the bill actually passed. So they are, they're now gone. Um, but, you know, the others uh, end up being, you'll see, for instance, uh, that the governor, especially under an administration, they will set up subcommittee and working groups and they'll come out with some pretty crazy things. Um, one wanted to do away with basically higher level math um, and, uh, and others have been really pushing critical race theory, but they're doing it uh, saying this is not critical race theory. It just has all the components of critical race theory. So what you often have with some of the more progressive governors uh, is you do have these unelected groups and they put down a, uh, a marker. They don't have the ability to have uh, the effect of law, so they can't change policies, but they will come up with a packaged product and that package, package products goes to the school board and they adopt it because it's been well considered and it's a recommendation of a, of a group or they'll bring it to the legislature. A great example of this uh, is uh, we put together actually through the code, there was a, a working group, but they basically came up with a transgender policy. And I know that's controversial, but the basic idea of this group was to say that there are no more boys or girls. Um, instead, if you uh, had a locker room and a boy one day decided he wanted to be a girl, he could just go in there. And that's that's exactly what they recommended and what is being pressed down on schools today. Again, it has nothing to do with teaching kids about math, history, science, and English. It's a social experiment. And this one actually said that if you have a, an overnight visit and you're taking the cheerleaders and the basketball players and you're going to have them, and one day one of the basketball players says, you know, I'm feeling like a girl today, uh, then he was uh, allowed and required to be allowed to stay at the girls' locations. Now, parents would be horrified. I mean, this is just yeah. not natural. It's not, it, it's just uh, only the loony left can think this up, but this was an unelected group that got together, came up with these policies, and now they are pushing them down on the school divisions. And I got to tell you that your school division close nearby, you is gonna be grappling with this someday soon. Mm -hmm. And so, so these are not actually laws, they are just recommendations from think tanks. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Of sorts, they come in a couple of ways. One, they can be, be governors, put them together. They can come in from outside uh, liberal groups, uh, the VEA, for instance, which is, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I'm sure they're very nice people and, and that type of thing, but, but their policies are somewhere that I don't uh, always uh, agree with. Oftentimes they are, 
right now when you have a liberal legislature, they're actually uh, an idea that uh, legislators on the left have. They don't know how to formulate it yet. They don't know how to construct it. So they will put into the code a, uh, a subcommittee that is required to come up with policy, and they are to provide the policy to the school board who is, quote, to adopt the policy. So it's an unelected group coming up with a policy. The governor is appointing all the members. It goes to the boards who are to adopt the policy. So it is driven by code, but it really is uh, really a misuse, in my opinion, of the Code of Virginia. This episode of The State of Education with Melvin Adams was made possible by the generous support of donors like you. Here at the Noah Webster Educational Foundation, we want to make it easier for you to engage with your local government and school system, whether you're a parent, educator, legislator, or simply a concerned citizen. Before we end today's episode, here's a snippet of our next episode. We basically passed a law in Virginia, at least the Senate of Virginia passed it, and fortunately it was killed in the House, that says that the federal government doesn't require the test, we won't have any tests. That's uh, really just unbelievable. So the key, I think, for people who care about education is you should not go to one or the other extreme. You should not have a teacher that all they do is teach to a test. Uh, That's not productive and we had fallen into that path. But you have got to have a certain amount of accountability. Curious how you can make a difference? Learn about more ways you can help by visiting our website at www.nwef.org. We'll see you next time on The State of Education with Melvin Adams.